This recording is an offering of Networks for Training and Development's online university. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Think of Time with Networks. Uh, there's several of us here joining to have a discussion with you today. This month's topic is putting into practice everyday things. And, you know, these thinkathons historically have been a way for us to come together in a pretty informal way to share our collective wisdom, our shared experiences, our unique experiences, tackle some important questions or themes together, and quite frankly, brainstorm. We're not looking for expert advice or opinions. That's not what this forum is about. What's said here should stay here. So, you know, if you want to share a personal example, uh, feel free to, you know, omit any sensitive details, whatever you're comfortable sharing is what you should share and nothing more. So as a way of a quick introduction, I'll just share. I'm Shauna Roman with Networks for Training and Development. Um, joining, we have Jessica Stover, Tracy Lucreziosa, and Rosa McAllister, all with Networks, the Networks team as well. And I want to thank you for, for spending some time with us this afternoon. So without further ado, I think we can jump into the topic. And this month's topic, again, is putting into practice everyday things. So you know, let's take a look at what we mean by that. And I'm really interested in hearing your perspectives as well. When we think about how we support one another and support is informal and formal, right? It could be in a work capacity and, or in a personal way. It could be with people that have disabilities, people that have lived experiences or people who are just your friends or your colleagues or your neighbors, acquaintances. Sometimes we miss certain details or what I like to call the little things. And when we get stuck, maybe in a rut, trying to figure out how to provide better support, I think a conversation that we might have today perhaps can shed some light on how we can get unstuck, if you will, and be more effective as we support one another. So I'm just going to dive in and I love a good quote and I'm not the only one here at Networks and I'm guessing probably some of you as well. So there's some quotes that I found that I, you know, as a lover of quotes, um, sometimes little things make a big difference. So just thinking about an experience that you've had or maybe something that perhaps you're struggling with, what is that little thing that maybe we could do or you could do that might make all the difference, but we miss it because we're so perhaps overwhelmed or focused on the big thing, whatever those things might be. So I'm going to ask a question. How do we focus on the little things, on those everyday things? What do you think? This is Tracy. And I find that the little things are the things that I sometimes find when I stop trying to look for things if you know what I mean by that. Like a lot of times I may, I may have come into a situation having a certain view of what it was going to be like or what I want to say and do ahead of time. And I'm finding that, you know, sometimes if I don't go into a situation like that and I, I'm with someone and I just come into the room or I'm with someone and I, I don't have an agenda and I just let things unfold, 
we seem to get, I find out more things that I can be more supportive of for that person just by being present and not necessarily even asking questions, just being present. Things just kind of sometimes flow. And this is just, I'll echo that. I'll just say, you know, you know, how do you notice the little things? How do you see the little things? Something that's always been helpful for me and even more so lately, even in my home life, trying to think through like, okay, so how do we want to accomplish this? What's the best way to do it? Whether if it was a physical thing or a thing that we're trying to think about doing and plan out. If I literally do a hard stop, force myself to stop thinking about it for one, but two, go for a walk, just a quick walk, get away from it and come back to it, it's the little thing and the easy thing that'll pop up and say, yep, that was what it was. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to try instead. As you know, Rosa, I'm going to steal your quote, make, keep, what is it Rosa, keep it easy or make it easy? <laughs> I think both work. Lately, we, a number of us have been saying, let's ride the easy train. Yes, I love that. I love that easy train. I'm, 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 I'm hitching a ride on the easy train for sure. Um, Eva, <laughs> I see in the, in the chat, Eva, you said yes, a smile, calling just to say how, ask, and listen on how someone is doing. I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's like simple. We're talking about simple things, right? This is far from rocket science. Chris, you said even little things you do for yourself. Man, that is so true. I can think about examples. I take myself for a walk. I try to do that every single day. And even when the weather doesn't cooperate, right? I, I won't melt. Um, I'll grab an umbrella or a hood and I'll head out to um, take that walk because it's it's important for our, our own mental health as well and our own physical health. So doing little things, not just for others, but definitely for ourselves. Yeah, good stuff. So I'm wondering if anyone has an example, because we're talking, I think, a little bit in the abstract about things that we need to do. But I'm wondering if there's an example or a story that someone would be willing to share that relates to this refocusing that we can do on the everyday. So this year, need I say, has been a little bizarre. This year and a half, this however long it's been. And, you know, I was at home, obviously. And like many of us, I had to shift what I was doing. I have um, my son and daughter-in-law are both teachers here, and I have two grandchildren. And some of you have heard this story, so I'm going to try not to bore you with it. I offered to have my grandkids with me a couple of days a week for virtual school um, since they were already plugged in and they knew what to do, nine and 13. They were eight and 12 at the time. They kind of knew what to do. They had their own iPads or computers or whatever and all that. They just needed somebody to be with them and frankly, to cook for them a lot. So it became Tutu. I'm Tutu Rosa. Tutu is grandmother in Hawaiian. So I'm Tutu Rosa and I opened Tutu's virtual school and restaurant last year. And I just graduated from it just last week, I think it was, because the kids ended school soon, a little earlier than back in Pennsylvania in the mainland. Anyway. As part of Tutu's virtual school, the kids were busy and the luxury of being here in Maui, for those of you who don't know, I live in Maui, Hawaii, we would on recess, quote unquote, for lunch break, we would jump in the ocean or go for a run outside or check the flowers or do different things. And I came up with the idea that maybe we could raise monarch butterflies. So that's what we've been doing. And it was a simple little idea that has taken on I cannot even describe to you the dimensions of learning and love that 
this raising butterflies has done personally for me. I thought I was doing it as a fun thing with the kids, but it has become almost full-time job, number one. But beyond that, it's just incredible levels of learning. I just had five little kids over on my lanai, my patio, um, about 15 minutes ago, checking on my caterpillars. Um, they witnessed one yesterday. These are just little visitors here that saw that I was at, at this funny looking tent on my lanai and was checking on plants every morning. And they asked me what I was doing. So I introduced them to my kitten pillars, as we call them, and caterpillars. They've seen the numbers of butterflies on property here, which has, oh, I think more than quadrupled since we started this little project back in February. These five little visitors from Arizona got to hold caterpillars for the first time. One little boy this morning found one on one of my milkweed plants that had just come out of its egg. It was this microscopic little teeny tiny caterpillar, kitten biller, as we call the little ones. And he was able to rescue it and save it before the geckos got it. They happened to be here yesterday morning and watched as one of the caterpillars went into a chrysalis. They saw that whole process. And I got to watch through their eyes and their wonder and them screaming and calling their moms and dads over to see it too. The wonder of life, a simple little thing like a caterpillar and a butterfly. It's not so simple at all. And I think that's true for a lot of these simple little things that we do for ourselves, be it remembering to ride the easy train or having somebody else remind us. Thank you, Jess. You've reminded me a couple of times recently. Let's easy train, right? Let's take it easy. And yep, or take a breath or lower your shoulders. Those simple things are not simple at all. Right, Tracy? You're there with your little guy right now. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say too that I don't know, a number of us on the call are caregivers, so to speak, in many different ways, professionally and personally. And you find that you are giving and giving by, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, doing the little things we're talking about here, you know, smiling, taking time to listen and being present for people, doing little things to help them get through. I'm at my daughter's house helping them to get through a tough situation right now. So you're doing those kind of things and you just forget sometimes what it feels like when it flips. And um, a couple of days ago, I was with a person that I have been, I've been involved with the family and helping them out in multiple ways. Personally, initially it was professional, now it's personally, and I just have been there and doing a lot to help them through a difficult time. And she knew that I was getting ready to go on a trip to go down to, to support my daughter and be there for my daughter's family. And she just looked at me and said, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. Sorry. And it was just, it was so touching because I'm always the one saying, I'll be here for you. And here was someone that has always been a person who was like needing support from so many people. And there she was just like, I'm there for you. I'm I'm there for you. And it was just, I get emotional just, just repeating the story because it just wasn't something I expected. And it was definitely a little thing that became a big thing to me. Thank you. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. I think, yeah. How do we show up for people, for others? And how do we show up for ourselves? And I really believe in that, that, that reciprocity and that what you put out, you get back. Um, And it's, it's great, Tracy, that you got to experience that and see that what you've 
put out, very obviously got back. And I think that happens for all of us in different ways. I can think of another way that we think about the little things and the everyday things. And that comes in the form of setting boundaries, <laughs> you know, and I don't want that to sound clinical because it, it, that's not my intention. But I think there are times I can think about you know, me being the tech support for my older parents and any technology they, you know, need assistance with, I'm the first person they call. They, they won't Google it. They know how to Google it. They'll call me <laughs> and then I'll Google it. Um, and there have been situations and experiences in the past year, especially with the pandemic, where I, I had to kind of slow down because I was always at the ready to provide whatever support and be there. And what else can I help you with, mom and dad, and wanting to support them. But at the same time, I had to think about my own needs and what um, what what those healthy boundaries could be so that I wasn't the first person that they called in every single situation, but they could learn some of this for themselves. And so I'm still practicing that. But I think setting some boundaries is important so that we can Again, focus on what we need individually, as well as being there for others. I see some comments in the chat. Ava thinks in response, uh, Rosa, to your uh, sharing about the, the virtual school restaurant and raising butterflies. That does sound like a, a lot of extra work, <laughs> for sure. And um, really, really great. Thanks again, Tracy, for sharing. Anyone else want to share a thought? It said it was Ingrid Newkirk's birthday, right? She's like the uh, head of PETA. And I can remember years ago, about maybe something like 20, 15, 20 years ago, she was in Philadelphia and I was going to a book signing. And I rode the 23 bus down Chestnut Hill, it was, got off and I went to, and I was going to the bus stop there and I saw, and I saw her and, and she had gotten off the bus somewhere. And she, I think it was, and then she, we walked down there you know I was too shy to say anything and it came across there was this big road this big street there that I was really scared of crossing the street I'd gotten hit by a car hit by a car and everything and she said it's okay you can cross and so I started to go across so we both went across and I never forgot that thanks Chris yeah like these simple acts of kindness really go a long way I mean we're I'm I'm kind of struck by how simple <laughs> these strategies are. Be kind, smile, go for a walk, throw something. I'm taking my own list here. Learn something new. Ride the easy train. I love that one. Be present for others. Be present present for ourselves. You know, I'm I don't know what I expected would come out of this conversation, but I'm I'm glad to have a a very simplistic list like this for these reminders. Other thoughts? I think another thing that I always think of when I think about little things is just taking that moment to say thank you or share your appreciation for something that is, you, you know, maybe small and routine, you know. And I know sometimes we take things for granted and just just a little simple example. My, my husband always makes coffee in the morning and he always brings me my coffee sitting in my chair in the morning. He always does it. And I don't always say thank you. And during the pandemic, I was like, you know what? This is nuts. I got to say thank you. So I started saying thank you to him every morning. 
And it's like changed the tone of my day and changed the tone of his day for me to just say thank you and not have it be like assumed that, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that he makes my coffee and brings it to me every single day. And uh, we just take sometimes take things for granted. And then I noticed he started saying thank you to me for doing some of the things that I do on a routine basis that, you know, we just weren't really showing that we were noticing. And it makes you feel good. I used to work as um, a program specialist and I would take the individuals out from a workshop and on my time and the world wasn't as litigious as it is now. One day I took somebody to the movies and it was just the pre previews. It was, um, it was the, um, what do you call it? The, the previews, but they're also, they're also movies. So the person looked at me and saw the preview and said, I like this movie. And I was in tears because I'm like, that was not the movie. And just for him to be out was a big deal. You know, so it's such a big thing, even though it was a little thing to me, like a preview. So what? Right. It's like, you know, we sometimes take certain things for granted, maybe, um, you know, and I think sharing moments with people, whether it's someone you support, whether it's someone with a disability, whether it's a friend, a neighbor. I mean, I think these are like universal ideas about how we can be there for one another and show up for each other. Yeah, this is just, this is, you know, Susan, you reminded me of that story, reminded me of something else. And honestly, you know, coming into our Thinkathon today, I had in my head like something a little different, but this is like really cool how this has shifted. Like I had in my head like easy things like post it notes <laughs> that make my life easier, but really, at the end of the day, it comes down to the other little things. So a story I can share of one of the other little things. Um, years ago, I was supporting someone in their home. And one of, and you guys may have heard me tell the story before. And if you have, I apologize. But it's just, it was almost 20 years ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. But um, gentleman, Steve, he had since, he's, he's since passed away several years ago. But he always wanted to go to the Smithsonian and he grew up watching the TV show All in the Family and he wanted to go and see Archie Bunker's chair. And that's all he talked about. He just, he just wanted to do that. And I didn't know anything about it, but I knew how far the Smithsonian was from, you know, where his home was. It was about three hours. It's like, well, let's go down to the Smithsonian. So we hopped in the car, went down, drove three hours finally found parking, finally found the right museum of the Smithsonian because the Smithsonian isn't just one place. It's like 20 different places in and around DC. And we finally found the right place, found the right entrance, wove through, finally found the chair. He sees it. I'm like, Steve, here is the chair. This is awesome. And, you know, it was like the birds started singing. The breeze was blowing through his hair. The angels were shining down upon him. Oh, it was amazing. And he was just so thrilled. And, you know, he probably, he probably hung out there for maybe five minutes and looked around it on all sides and read the plaque on it, et cetera, et cetera. I said, okay, Steve, what do you want to go do now? We're here. Look at the, you know, the rest of the museum, get something to eat. He's like, nope, I'm ready to go home. I'm like, are you sure? We're here. Nope, I'm ready to go home. Out back to the car we went, hopped back in the car, drove three hours back to his house. But it was just an easy thing. It was an easy thing. And it was so simple and it was listening to someone and it was seeing that, well, this isn't, you know, cause you know, he would tell me that 
people would say to him, oh, that's ridiculous. That's so far away. You want to drive three hours. So what? It's three hours. Let's do it. You know, so we did it. And then the next thing on his list, so he started making like a list of stuff he wanted to do and we'd go do it. He wanted to go to a Penn State football game. We went to the, it was easy stuff and it was fun. It was so much fun. And it was all little things, simple things. And we rode the easy train because we didn't make it hard. <laughs> um, I love that story. And, you know, back to this easy train, maybe this thinkathon should be titled Taking the Easy Train. Um, but I, I love the idea of thinking about how, or maybe a question that we can wrestle with is how our service system makes these things difficult. Like, I feel like we can sometimes get in the way of our own best intentions. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Like, in terms of our human services system, does it support these simple ideas or does it get in the way? What do you think? This is Rosa. I think it many, many times overcomplicates and gets in the way. Many, many, many times. And I, and I know, I feel almost bad saying it because I know the system, the system in quotes, you know, is there for a reason to help and to provide funding for people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yes, it does that, but oh, for heaven's sake, sometimes it's not the easy train at all. It's like the very, very complicated train. I just, I sometimes shake my head and think, oh, for heaven's sake, a small example. The other day, um, Jess, you were part of this, a committee um, that we've had running to help for a project in Philadelphia at the end of the committee meeting. We've been meeting every Tuesday for, I think, 14 weeks. And at the end of the meeting, I said, do we need to meet anymore? And there was kind of like stunned silence because that's not a question that's usually asked at a committee. Committees go on forever and ever and ever unnecessarily without real reason. I mean, and that's just one small example. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I that your example and the previous examples that struck me with, you know, what are we doing as a services system to try to make life easier or simpler? I think sometimes simple isn't always the approach that is applied within our services system. And as much as I'm a part of it, I guess, the services system, I still uh, believe that we can we can do better in, in, a, in a lot of different respects to support one another. Very good. Other thoughts, other questions? Uh, Jess, you brought up post-it notes. And, you know, if there's an opportunity for you to think about or for us to think about other ways that we embed or incorporate these everyday things i'm i'm open to bringing in post-it notes another more practical example so let's have at it tracy did you want to add to that yeah actually i was commenting back on the the previous comments about the service delivery system and you know in my uh history as as a therapist I've, i've always come in contact with people who are supporting others and sometimes how there's always this need to like be accountable for all your time and everything that you do. So what happens is a lot of times people who are supporting others sometimes do too much 
for other people and not uh, allow enough to facilitate their independence and let them think on their own, act on their own and do those kinds of things. Because they kind of think, oh, I, I'm here. I'm being paid to be here. I need to be doing something. But sometimes what we need to be doing is just being there so that the other person, the person we are supporting can do what they need to do. We don't need to do it for them. That's just my thought on that. Happens with parents and kids too. <laughs> I love that. And it, it happens with me and, and my parents, you know, where I'm like, wait a minute, you can, you can click on that and find that information. You don't need to call me on that. Right. So I think there's room to, for all of us to think about how we can support people to be more independent, more interdependent, uh, less dependent, maybe is the better way to say it. Very good. Other thoughts? I'm adding to this list. I love it. I feel like I need to make a poster out of it. I love interdependence. And Shana, that you brought it up. And I always go back to Rosa, learning this from you during the communication mentors course that networks used to run. Um, I'm going to jog your memory. I remember a little bit about how the interdependence movement started. And I think it was back in the 40s. Do you remember? Yeah, it was. I totally yeah. do. I totally do. It was during the McCarthy era, um, which some of you may know, some of you may not know. And if you don't know, check it up. McCarthy era was a very, very scary time in the United States history. And the interdependence movement was started by some Hollywood actors and actresses and producers and directors, most of them who were Jewish um, by culture, by religion, et cetera. And they formed the interdependence movement as a move against the McCarthyism and the, the Senate hearings and other things that were going on at the time that were pigeonholing and doing terrible things to folks and blackmailing, or not, excuse me, not blackmailing, blackballing um, many people just because they had a different way of being. They came from a different culture. So anyway, the interdependence movement was this idea, shockingly enough, she says, jokingly, not jokingly, that we are all here and need to be interdependent upon one another in order to exist. And no one of us is better or worse, um, just as the earth is dependent upon us and we are dependent upon it, the air, the water the birds, the butterflies, all of us. And um, they, we have talked about it more within our field of disabilities and social activism, the interdependence movement, but it really had a much earlier beginning. Yeah, it's like, this is like, I'm like having blasts from the past here. And, and it, I took that, like, this kind of like, aha, like, what? Like, this was a, just the most, this was before I joined networks, the most bizarre thing I ever heard, like interdependence. Like, no, we're all, we're independent. And so, you know, with your support, Rose, I learned more about it. And other of us, you know, we all, you know, kind of integrated in, into that thinking. I know when I used to lead trainings, I'd ask the question, like, are you an independent person? And people, almost everyone in the room would say yes, because they didn't know it was a loaded question. You know, they didn't know it was a loaded question at all. And Chris, you're saying it sounds like a barter system. Well, sort of. And I'd ask the question, I'm like, okay, so, okay, Rosa, you're, you say you're an independent person. It's awesome. What did you do this morning? Well, I had coffee. Oh, that's amazing. You made your own coffee? Yes, you made your own coffee. Did you grow your own coffee beans? That's phenomenal. How do you grow your own coffee beans? You ground the coffee. Where'd you get the water? 
went to a well and brought up the water out of the, you know, and it just drove the point home that just to make a cup of coffee, we rely on so many people. If you think of how many people are involved in just your cup of coffee in the morning or your cup of tea or your glass of juice or whatever, how many hundreds of people are involved in making that cup of coffee or cup of tea or glass of juice happen? It's these like little acts, these little acts every single day that makes the world go round. Love that. Thank you, Jess. Chris, you have your hand up? You want to add to that? Yeah. I know that before the pandemic, there was some kind of a system they had in place somewhere where you could go in there and you could trade services off. You had to sign up for it, but you could trade services off with somebody and they would pretty much, you know, just trade them back with you. And you could put in there and it would be sort of like a time bank or something. I think that's what it was called. It is, Chris. Many, many different communities. Actually, it came from um, the farming community and, and many other, probably back to medieval times and then some where, you know, if I grew zucchini, anybody who's ever grown zucchini knows if you grow zucchini and it goes well, it goes so well that you can't possibly eat all the zucchini but I may, may really want some tomatoes and mm-hmm. Chris, you may be growing tomatoes. So I'll give you mm-hmm. some of my zucchini. If you give me some of the tomatoes, um, the idea of time banking, many um, communities have done that in a more formal way. And they call it that where you sign up and maybe you're really good at math skills or you're an accountant or you do good at billing and stuff like that. Or maybe you're a great cleaner. But but this is what you really want. And so you bank in some of your time or some of your skills, like the zucchini, and you get from somebody else who has maybe something that you want. And, and in a lot of communities, we just do this naturally. You know, when I lived mm-hmm. back in Pennsylvania, I was a big gardener. And so I would, I had that zucchini thing happen a lot. So I started putting a basket out on my front porch. And I would put all the extra produce that I couldn't eat. And I just, you know, and let my neighbors know, hey, help yourself. I didn't mean for my porch to become the local market, but that's what it became. People would put in there things that they had extra. And it just became a great, great, cool thing. And people would, as soon as summer hit, my neighbors would ask, when are you putting your basket out? You know, and I was like, I didn't know I was in charge of this, but okay. So yeah, time banking is really cool. I agree with you, Susan. It can be really neat. You need somebody to usually set it up. And I don't know about there, but here during the pandemic, it actually became a much bigger thing here. Not specifically time banking formally, but that community helping one another became a big thing here. You can even just do it amongst your friends, amongst your neighbors, amongst different people you know. It usually is as hard as like putting out that basket of zucchini and just saying, hey, help yourself. Nobody wanted to do it in Lancaster. I tried twice and I want to retry again in Allentown. This is where I learned it to begin with in Allentown. Then it died and people have to keep up with it and people have to work at it. And because of the way the world is now in litigious society we're in where we don't trust people. Lancaster wanted no part of it because they asked me, well, who's insuring? Who's insuring? I said, well, this is pretty much based on, on the trust uh, principle. And they were like, well, 
we're not so sure we want to do this. Maybe, Susan, instead of making it a big formal thing with Allentown or Lancaster, you know, and then, okay, just do it informally. Don't but ask. what do you do? You could document. You don't have to drive people and you can't, you don't accept everybody. It, unfortunately, you can't accept everybody. Well, then just, but my suggestion is don't go so big. Start small. Start yeah. small in your little neighborhood with a couple of neighbors or with one other person. I'll try to reinstate it. My apartment might go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just give it a go small, easy train. I think it's good for what's coming up now with the inflation. Really fascinating, interesting discussions. And and again, like this is taking an interesting turn to include things like how we can be more interdependent, um, you know, things like bartering and time banking. And and Rosa, thanks for sharing the kind of where those things began. It's it's always interesting to think about the, the bigger picture. So I'm, um, you know, I'm I'm curious to hear if anyone has a, a particular story or a situation that perhaps we could brainstorm some potential ideas around. Again, we're not trying to provide expert advice. This really is a forum to just brainstorm, and we can offer that as an opportunity for anyone that might have a question or a situation where you would want us to brainstorm. This is Jess. This might be too broad. And it, it's it's not specific, but thinking about you know people in our lives, people that we support or people that support us, how can we, maybe us in this Zoom room together or just moving forward in general, there there's a trend, particularly, at least in my experience, within communities that may identify with disability, intellectual disability, difference, things like that, that there isn't a lot of interdependence, but it's more dependence. The dependence-driven system that folks have to rely on others and they're not maybe necessarily given opportunities to be more expansive in their lives or experience interdependence and it's deeper, truer nature or being able to more fully engage in these little things, this easy train, these acts of kindness, these acts of every day, how, and, and is that system, you know, is it, you know, because the system needs to change yet again or what, but I think that might be, in my mind, that's where my, my curiosity is kind of springing to of these next pieces. So how do we go from there to where we want to be? And maybe that question's like just way too much. Like, <laughs> it's a big, it's a big question. And I think it's, it's a, a big question. And it's a, it's a good question. I think it's, you know, and maybe it is looking at a particular example. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, what do you think? How do we reduce or reduce the dependency that we see within our system, within our world, and look for ways that we can be more interdependent? What can we practically do to get there? I'll just Going back to Steve and going down the Smithsonian, that would never happen today. It would become, I think I put this in the chat, a red tape event. It just wouldn't happen. Or it would take months <laughs> of planning and coordination. So the first thing that comes to mind of to try to do the Smithsonian with Steve today, don't not ask permission, just go and do it, but then you get in trouble. But there's other things. So maybe the Smithsonian is too big, but you know, maybe it's looking at what does someone want to do in their life, you know? They love flowers, so let's go down to the corner store and buy some flowers, or let's go to the field and pick some flowers. I don't know. 
But, you know, my first response is just do it first, ask for forgiveness later. Is that how that goes? <laughs> and maybe that's not the right way to approach it. <laughs> I was thinking that similarly, Jess, too. And heaven knows there have been a number of times where I've been part of a bit of a coup where we just did and then got in a little trouble about it. But it proved a point and we used it to prove a point. And we did it, of course, because everybody agreed to it and the person who we were doing it with and for wanted us to. The other thing that I would add in is just um, in the early days, I'm doing the history thing again, in the early days of person-centered planning, early 1990s, um, which for some of you, for all of us, was a long time ago. For some of you may, you may not have even been here, been a toddler. Anyway, we would, especially when we got to the point where we would hear what somebody's hopes and dreams were and what their nightmares were, and oftentimes the, the nightmares were pretty much the stuff of their everyday life. And the hopes and dreams were simple. Usually, I used to say all the time, I was dying for the day somebody would wish for the Taj Mahal. But it was usually such simple things like a key to their own place, a key to their own home, or people not answering their home phone for them or saying, you know, 372 Park Avenue instead of Shauna's house. Can I help you? You know? Simple things. So anyway, when we would get to the point, we would end every time that we were together, every so-called meeting with asking everyone present and asking of ourselves. So knowing all this, what can each of us do tomorrow that is cheap or free, no permission is needed, and you actually will do, small enough you actually will do, that gets closer to what this person wants, the dream, and away from the nightmare. And the most incredible little things coming back to our topic here would be spoken like you know i'm thinking of your friend steve jess and so maybe we I, maybe i couldn't take him down to the smithsonian like you did and thank you for doing that and maybe making that one of his best days ever maybe not maybe it was kind of like a ho-hum day for him you know you never know but maybe i couldn't do that but maybe i could watch an episode of all in the family with him or maybe I could get him a poster or some memorabilia from All in the Family. Or maybe together we could sing the theme song. Or You know what I mean? Just a simple, free, cheap, easy to do, no permission needed, and I'll actually do it. And I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. But I'm not going to, like, wait and make a big deal of it. Love that. Love that idea. Yeah, how do we take these big what is that big, hairy, audacious goals, which are awesome. So I'm not suggesting we do away with them, but how do we take a piece of that and make that piece happen in 24 hours or in 48 hours or, you know, really simple. And that maybe it costs little or nothing, right? And how do we just make something happen? I love that idea. Because sometimes when you look at the big picture, it's so overwhelming and daunting. And when you can look at just the little pieces that you can do to work towards that. It makes it so much more doable and lifts everybody's spirits and helps to empower everybody involved, I think. Absolutely. And you know what? It's really fun to think about this, especially with this title of the little things for this session. We did a, you know, a follow-up study years after the personal futures planning project started in Philadelphia. And the thing that the things that people noted, this is not a big aha, but it was at the time, 
the things that people noted who had been the people of focus that we were trying to help better their lives and get closer to their dreams, the things that made the most difference, they all, all commented on were the little things. The getting down to, you know, my buddy Lester, his dream of getting a job in a big office building and wearing a suit every day and riding in an elevator because that's what work meant to him. That was not the big thing. In the end, you know what the big thing was? That he had lunch with friends every day. How much does that cost? How much permission is needed? No. And he um, wanted desperately to sit on a beach with a cocktail, an umbrella cocktail in his hand, and to watch pretty girls in their bathing suits go by. To be perfectly honest, that was one of his big dreams. And he got to do that with a friend, helped him get to Puerto Rico. And they did just that, I think, and not a whole lot else. But that's what they did for seven days. And in the end, you know what Lester remembered the most and said was the best part of that? It was being with Frank and knowing that Frank wanted to take a vacation with him. Well, I, I want to thank all of you. I think um, this has been a really rich discussion. and. Um, um, I took notes. I don't always take notes, <laughs> admittedly, in these thinkathons, but I took notes today because I think um, we all, I think we all in some way needed to be here. Those that just, uh, what did we say as we were first joining in, that everyone that was meant to be here is here. <laughs> yeah. And we all yeah. had something to, to learn and contribute today. Absolutely. Thank you all. All right. So um, if there aren't any other final thoughts or questions or or comments, uh, thank you once again. Um, Have a great weekend. It is Friday. And um, thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope the information provided was helpful. Don't forget to stop by our website and take advantage of all we have to offer. 